Hi, everyone. Hi there. I'm Haley. And I'm Zach. And, and we're, we're not, not together. together. How are you doing, Zach? It's been kind of a weird week and yeah, weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're okay. Uh, everybody's. I mean, not gonna lie, shaken, angry, um, and really embarrassed to be uh, part of this country <laughs> this week. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, we were planning to do a classic Zach and Haley listener advice episode, mm-hmm. and it was it was became very apparent throughout this week that doing something kind of trivial felt, um, well, trivial. I it like <laughs> yeah. felt you know just talk about dating advice during this felt like, you know, I don't know. We will get to them, <laughs> and we do answer <laughs> your questions uh, sometimes separately. But yeah, it just didn't feel right this week. Yeah, it it felt a little weird um, with all the conversations going on right now to kind of be like, hey, let's talk about dating advice and love. Yeah, what else could possibly be going on? (laughs) Yeah, and we tend, you know, we don't get like, I don't think we get like hella political on this podcast that much. I mean, I think we like throw some things in there sometimes, but in general, we don't like tackle a topic that much. Um, But I think we both felt in this moment, especially as like two white people with a lot of privilege that mm-hmm. we should be like using this platform in a way to I don't know add something to the conversation or to express our disgust with kind of what's going on right now um absolutely and, and that being the systemic murdering of of black people by um mm-hmm. police um and uh I think we I think we've all seen a lot of people talking about how oh you know i don't like the racism either but gosh the looting of it all or the protesting is just not the right way and um and it it also it sucks especially to be seeing some of that coming from uh other queer people Mm -hmm. um who who should understand that their rights came from such protests you know uh, they didn't just come from being nice and sweet about it. Absolutely. I mean, radical change comes with kind of radical action. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of why we decided to do this episode today yeah. um, to use our platform and our space, which is queerness, to maybe draw some parallels between how effective um, protest has been for the queer community. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. Protests in the queer community led by people of color, uh, specifically trans women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to now then say, oh, I'm for them except for this or but this, anything that isn't 100% all in is spitting in those people's faces who gave you the rights that you have today, who fought for your rights. Yeah. Um, we also, I don't think at any point want to say that just because we are gay and, and, and we know we, we're, you know, we're not experts at all. Uh, we did our own research, and we'll have some sources uh, for you, um, probably in the the description. But we also don't want to say like, oh, we totally understand exact like the experience of these people happening today. Um, we're just we're going to talk about Stonewall today, um, but we're not here to say that oh, we understand the black experience because just because we're gay, that is absolutely. I, I just want to get that across. No, thanks for saying that. I completely agree. We're not trying to say like. We totally get it because we don't. And again, because we live in a post-Stonewall world right now mm-hmm. where we get to reap the benefits of what um, our Stonewall uh, four mothers and fathers and four people yeah. um, did for us. And unlike our, our black brothers, sisters, and anyone in between, um, we can stop holding our partner's hands and sort of melt in the crowd, luckily you know, Haley and I, or not luckily, but just uh, we it, we have the privilege to be able to, if we needed to, blend in, and not everyone has that. They can't. They can't. They they can't not be who they are. We could pretend, you know, um, yeah. but people can't fake the color of their skin. So there's, no. so there's that level of exposure for people mm-hmm. of color. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're gonna t- just talk about Stonewall today and. I think a lot of queer people are familiar with Stonewall, but on a right, they know something happened. Everybody knows the phrase like, "Oh, the first brick at Stonewall." Right, everyone's familiar with that, but I don't think um, some people don't actually know like what happened exactly, and maybe everything that led to it. 
mm-hmm. what happened afterwards. Oh, I just think it's so easy for some people or for any of us really to think, oh, well, that was so long ago. That mm-hmm. was, you know, it was before you were born. It's something that you read about or well, and, and, and it definitely isn't talked much about in like high school history for sure. That's for damn sure. So, yeah, I don't blame anyone for not knowing. Um, but I think that we should all take some time to learn right now. And, you know, maybe learning a little bit about Stonewall will help you draw some parallels and understand some things that are going on today, though not fully. Yeah. You know, we mm-hmm. can't make a complete, you know, A to B thing here. But, um, right. yeah, we might be able to learn a little bit from our, our history mm-hmm. to help with history today. Because normally this weekend would be a pride parade for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we'd be celebrating a lot of what was fought for that day and that whole week and since in between. That's right. Yeah. Well said. I, I, I do think, you know, in the past, I don't know, a couple of years, we, we're very lucky that we can have these parades and we can celebrate our, 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 our gender and our sexual expression um, in that way. But we're we're not done. And I think a lot of people feel like when marriage is passed, cool, I got what I needed. We're done, right? Or, mm-hmm. or we can celebrate now. We can relax. And I think when that happens, when we start relaxing, that's when we start losing those rights. Because there's always going to be people, people who are trying to take those back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to know that you ha- you may have to fight for yourself and for others. And it's important to fight for others, even if it doesn't directly affect you because one just because it's being a good empathetic human being they are people and two because i mean if you're thinking selfishly you could be next on the list you know sure yeah okay great yeah hopefully that helps (laughs) 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 so Haley, you did a bit of um research into some of the stuff leading up to stonewall yeah yeah absolutely i think um like i like we said we're going to talk about the what happened during stonewall and a little bit of the history of it and i think it's important to um start talking about just like the u.s in general during that time and maybe the things leading up to it um because i think that's a port an important reference for what's happening mm-hmm. so I'm, g- I'm just going to talk a little bit about the background and leading up to stonewall and then i think zach's going to take over and and talk about yeah. Um, the actual days of the riots during Stonewall. Because it was a powder keg That's at that time. Absolutely true. Um, and it might sound a little off topic at first, but I promise it leads somewhere. Because everything... <laughs> we'll get there. Everything leads to everything in history. So, um, <laughs> but yes, to, I think to talk about the Stonewall riots, we should go back to the end of World War II. And according to this historian named uh, Barry Adam, you know, World War II left like a huge social uh, upheaval in the U.S., if you remember, so many men were off fighting the war that a lot of social things changed. Like women joined uh, the workforce, and there was actually quite a bit of black um, men in the military and fighting, you know, um, on our side. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, right after World War II, you know, all these men were coming back from war, and they kind of wanted to restore the pre-war social order. You know, they wanted to go, you know, back to their jobs. They wanted the women to go back to the kitchen and basically for all these black men who fought next to them to, you know, go back to being second class citizens. Um, yeah. It was the, the, like a, an early version of make America great again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like basically world war two liberated a lot of people that weren't white men. Um, but that because kinda, they had to fill that vacuum. Yeah. They had to fill that vacuum, but it kind of clashed with the ideals of these white soldiers who are coming mm-hmm. home and wanted everything to go back to normal, you know. They just wanted to go back to their save on that game that they had. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They had that Mario save and they didn't want anyone playing on that uh on that <laughs> cartridge. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what, that's the thing that happens is that people get into into a power and then they set the rules and then that's the way they like it. They don't want to change them. Sure, yeah. Cuz it benefits them. Exactly. And they think that anyone else having that same power is going to take it away from them, right. you know. And it's that's yeah. just not the case. Mm-mm. But yeah, again, this like reluctance to change and return to normalcy and the, you know, the effects of World War II and and fascism, like it obviously sparked this widespread anti-fascism and a huge anti-communist movement in the u.s yeah the red Um, scare the red scare exactly which leads us to joseph mccarthy um who was a senator 
and he conducted hearings. Um, I'm sure some of you are familiar with this, but if you are not, maybe some of our younger listeners are not, um, he was a senator who led um, hearings basically searching for communists in the U.S. government. It's known as uh, McCarthyism. He held all these trials, and it basically created this world where people were snitching on each other who were, suspe- yeah. quote-unquote, suspected communists. Bringing and, people in, t- forcing them to, like, name people. Exactly. And torturing them until they listed off names. Right, and if you were if you were brought to trial, some of the only ways you could get off or get off easy was by naming other people. Yeah. Which just created people, made people lie, which as we've learned from uh, many years of torture, like torture doesn't doesn't work. It just creates, re- it just makes people give you false information to, right. to save themselves. But that's, the, the, McCarthy doesn't care about that. He's got the information that he, he wants, that he's building his case. You exactly. Know? It doesn't matter how he gets it to him. Right. It, he's He's just constantly validated because people keep giving more and more names and he thinks he's ridding you know the government of of communism but Haley, what does this all have to do with the gays (laughs) well let me get there i'll tell (laughs) you um so gay men and lesbians were thought to be national security risks and communist sympathizers it was kind of believed which is you know bullshit that gay people were more susceptible to being to being manipulated um, by communism which would pose a threat to the u.s but yeah, do I mean it ruined a lot of gay people's lives. Um, between 1947 and 1950, 1,700 federal job applications were denied, 4,380 people were discharged from the military, and 420 people were fired from their government jobs for being suspected homosexuals. Jesus. And I mean, again, suspected homosexuals. I mean, yeah, not that being fired for being gay is should be okay, but also I'm sure a lot of these people weren't even gay. I mean, because just it was, for us. A suspicion right of, of being gay yeah and so because of mccarthyism it basically normalized the persecution of homosexuals um mm-hmm. because there was this executive order that discriminated against homosexuals and you know tried to get them out of government jobs um but yeah as you mentioned zach it, this time was like kind of known as the red scare because people were afraid of communism infiltrating the government mm-hmm. spies um, people yeah mm-hmm. basically like uh going around taking information and trying to take america down from the inside right exactly that became uh a way to basically take down anything the government didn't like attach it to communism in the public eye get rid of it absolutely which the irony of just having come out from world war ii mm-hmm. where jews queer people um yes romani people were persecuted it's like mccarthyism is like basically the same thing mm-hmm. just like let's figure out all these people we consider undesirable and deviant and yeah, yeah and try and uh weed them out basically but this was kind of this time for queer people was kind of known as the lavender scare as opposed to the red scare because it was mm-hmm. a, just a way to get to discriminate against queer people um, and, th- and their jobs. Um, also around this time, in 1952, the American Psychiatric Association listed homosexuality in the DSM as a mental disorder. So yeah, there's so much going on during this time around the 50s where, I mean, homosexuality was basically being hunted, right? I mean, you're considered mm-hmm. a mental disorder. People are trying to find ways to get you fired all the time. Yeah. And just a reminder, prior to 1962, sodomy, there were sodomy laws in every state, and sodomy was considered a felony in every state. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in 1962, Illinois was the only state that revoked it, and the next state wouldn't even revoke it until 1971. So being gay was a crime. It was considered it was a felony. It was specifically directed towards gay men, absolutely. Yeah. It was specifically directed towards gay men, absolutely. I think when some people think about the idea of it, you know, like... That of gay people not having rights in those times they just think about how oh well they just weren't able to get married no 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 they couldn't even hold hands they could not kiss they couldn't be near each other being gay was illegal thanks for pointing that out trans was illegal thanks for pointing that out you know it's not like some people just looked at it with disgust walking down the street that it was just like oh it was just uh frowned upon or shoved under the rug right it was criminalized 
criminalized. Absolutely. There's a bar, I might have talked about this, but there's a bar in North Hollywood called Oil Can Harry's, and they still have their red siren light. Um, they still have it there as a reminder that there were police raids, that mm-hmm. police would come in and that little light would go off and would tell people, leave or back off, stop being gay, hide the liquor, the police are here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's you like to think, man, that was that was so long ago. That was so long ago. Um, and granted, we weren't we weren't alive during this time, but mm-hmm. like, this is only one generation away from us. You know, my yeah. this is my parents' generation that they were yeah. you know dealing with. Um, so yeah, it's not that far away. Um, and yeah, just just to even go even further, it's not that far away, and there are still countries that act upon these types of laws. Absolutely. Absolutely. Throughout the 50s and 60s, the FBI and police actually kept like lists of homosexual like known homosexuals mm-hmm. and where they frequented, who their friends were. The postal service kept track of their like they kept track of addresses where homosexual like material was sent. Like if Ugh. you were mailed like magazines or anything, they kept lists mm-hmm. of that. Like they tracked you down and like bars catering to gay men and lesbians were shut down their customers were arrested and ex- this was this is kind of the worst part of it if you were like a queer person and you were caught in a gay bar they would list your name and home address in newspapers yeah because first of all not only is does it just completely revoke your right to privacy it could get you fired it completely blacklists you absolutely you could lose your family you know, you could lose your friends. Yeah. Some of these people weren't out, obviously, and they had families, and mm-hmm. they couldn't come out on their own terms, you know. But here is the good part. So around this time, uh, two organizations formed um, to advance the cause of gay men and lesbians. In Los Angeles, homosexuals created the Mattachine Society in 1950. And they did start out, like, a little more radical, but in 1953, they kind of shifted their focus to more about, like, assimilation and like the things you hear baby gays say like why do we have to be so (laughs) out and loud and (laughs) i'm just like you it's the idea that if we just ask nice enough they'll give us human rights right or if i can prove to them that we are the same they will see me as an equal um and that's kind of what they thought which i i get that thinking like that logic isn't crazy like i can understand where that thought process yeah part of the hurdle to jump over was that these people really thought homosexuals were depraved people Mm -hmm. were were potentially communists too were sick in the mind it was like you said it was listed as as a mental illness yeah and so that that is a huge hurdle to jump over it's just saying hey we're not those things you know absolutely and so you're right like the logic is is there the logic is sound though it may not create the change you want that i get the logic and then soon after that some women in san francisco created the daughters of bilitis and it was actually just started as a place for women to be able to get together and dance like it started in people's homes like yeah let's let's kind of have like a couple houses where we can like throw parties where we can dance behind closed doors and that's fine i mean so many how many movements started in bars and in Absolutely. like places like that where people were just looking, needed a place to a safe space. live and be, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what uh, the Daughters of Bilitis started as. And then they kind of became similar to Mattachine and they kind of were like, hey, let's actually try and make a change by assimilating ourselves into mm-hmm. society and proving, hey, we're just like you. And again, keep in mind while all this is going on, this is also the time in history where the civil rights movement is happening the women's liberation is happening and yeah like opposition to the vietnam war so yeah there are so many movements happening around this time and they all were growing and they were all happening a lot more and you know they were con- being confronted with police forces a lot more so there was a lot of that tension um building up because yeah mm-hmm. like i said because of after world war ii all these People were, a lot of people who weren't liberated before were being liberated. But now they're being told to go back. Right. Go back, go back in that space that we made for you. Right. And you're not allowed to come into this space anymore. Even though you did yeah. it that one time and you did it great. Right. 
get back in there. And it's hard to, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to like open a door and then shut it back on someone's face again. No one's going to like that. No. And so now we're getting to, I just want to mention um, these couple things before we get into Stonewall. Sure. Kind of on the outer fringes of these gay communities like Mattachine and Daughters of Bilitis, there were these people who challenged gender expectations, you know, like people, you know, effeminate men or masculine women um, or cross-dressers or trans people. They kind of didn't really love the carefully crafted image that like Mattachine and the Daughters of Bilitis um, asserted. Like they were basically like, sure, like sure, queer people can be button up, go to work white people and not cause a stir. But like, but where do I fit in that? Where do I fit in that? that? That's not me. Right. I shouldn't have to necessarily fit into that to be okay. Yeah. Um, Society, I shouldn't have to get smaller to fit into society. Society should get bigger to fit me in to allow my type of person to fit i love that that's a great way of saying that but yeah so there was a in la there was a small riot at a place called cooper donuts cafe and this was in 1959 gay lesbian bisexual trans people they staged a small riot uh in response to police harassment because like we said this was a time when if you were queer your bars were getting raided you were getting arrested all the time and then in 1966 a larger event in san francisco which consisted of drag queens and trans people and cross-dressers and sex workers they were sitting in a place called compton's cafeteria and police arrived to arrest um to arrest people because it was illegal if you were a man to dress as a woman and vice versa and a riot ensued the people started flinging cups and plates and all that stuff and breaking the windows in front of the restaurant. And then once the windows were repaired, they returned days later to smash them again. Um, and this uprising was interesting because as opposed to Mattachine, which, you know, and, and the Daughters of Bilitis were more about gay and lesbian rights. This one definitely was more about gender and race and class that were mm-hmm. kind of not being represented with Mattachine and the Daughters right. of Bilitis. Yeah, because they were, you know, uh, it kind of marked the beginning of like a transgender activism in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, really important. By the, uh, then we're getting into New York, right? Because um, Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn is in New York. And so now let's kind of focus on New York real quick. Mm-hmm. So by the early 60s, there was a campaign to rid New York City of all gay bars by order of the mayor at the time, which was Robert F. Wagner Jr. Um, part of the reason was because the 1964 World's Fair was coming up and he didn't want the city... He was worried about the image of the city. He's literally just yeah, fluffing up all the pillows because the people are coming over for dinner. <laughs> exactly. Hide the gays. Hide put the gays. The, put them, oh, God, where am I, I got? Oh, fuck, there's so many of them. Where do I... Just put them in the right, cabinets. Put, uh, shove them in the closet. Again. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shove them back in the closet. Right. Um, but it, that's exactly it, Zach. That's a great way to put it. But um, the city revoked liquor licenses of bars... They sent out undercover police officers to entrap as many yeah. homosexual people as possible. And they had a lot of trouble with the New York State Liquor Authority. And they penalized and shut down uh, places that served alcohol to LGBTQ people. But again, thanks to activists, these ac- these regulations were kind of overturned in 1966. And L- like queer people could be served alcohol. But mm-hmm. engaging in gay behavior like was still illegal. So the police still harassed gay bars right these police raids on gay bars were happening all the time one you know there was one good thing which was that there were some corrupt officers so a lot of times they would be tipped off people who uh were dressed in too many clothing pieces that were opposite of their gender assigned at birth could get away and they could maybe hide the liquor and yeah i was i was reading about that what was it was about you had to have three types of clothing or something what was the rule yeah i think it was a you were required to wear like three pieces of clothing that represented your gender assigned at birth and you would be arrested if you didn't and i don't know what counts as i mean for me like i only wear like three That's pieces of vague, clothing at a time rule. absolutely <laughs> so it's like because i i guess if you and i i do wonder what that rule is right because could you be like i'm technically wearing a bra women's underwear and maybe women's socks, but could you then I, wear? Just, I don't know how specific they got with it's that. It's just like some of these like rules that pe- straight people make to police gay people and stuff and queer people. It couldn't be like more 
gay <laughs> or toned it. Well, it's just like, like you're literally now the fashion police on top of also being the police. <laughs> on top of being the police police. And, and also being corrupt and horrible and everything. Like, right. Just, <sighs> but it is so weird, right? It's like, yeah, like how subjective is it? Like, yeah. I don't know. It didn't matter. It, it, I'm sure it there are people who had the criteria amount of three pieces that were... That still got arrested. And they absolutely did. It, yeah. it was a stupid, loose thing that doesn't mean anything that just gave them an excuse to to harass people. Right, right, exactly. So so that's that's kind of what, what, what was yeah. going on. Um, and basically during a raid, the lights would be turned on, customers mm-hmm. would be lined up, their IDs were checked. Those without IDs, if they were dressed in like drag or if they were trans uh-huh. they were yeah. arrested and yeah and so zach uh i know we both talked about this uh sip in mm-hmm. um which happened yes uh, in 1966 which was three years before stonewall and mm-hmm. members of the mattachine society they staged a sip in where they which is pretty cool this was actually a pretty radical thing i think they did but mm-hmm. they uh this was what i guess you would call a peaceful protest yeah. um they openly declared their sexuality at uh bars they said you know what if you want to turn us away go ahead we're gonna sue you the commission of human rights ruled that gay individuals had the right to be served in bars and raids raids kind of slowed down after that but they were still very much right because it's still very illegal to still be gay right exactly yeah the stonewall inn of course was no stranger to being raided um it definitely got raided a lot of times um which does kind of lead us to this very important and specific raid. Yes. And I think Zach has a little more info on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So um, the Stonewall Inn is on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. It uh, the, the, the riot that started the Stonewall, you know, it was not by any means the beginning of the LGBT movement, but it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And and like like you were saying, Haley, um, these bars would get raided a lot uh this bar specifically stonewall got raided a little bit less than some bars but still got raided uh the only reason that was was because uh it was owned by a mob family Mm -hmm. so like a mob family would kind of this the, the genovese uh crime family would profit off the fact that lgbt people didn't have a place to go and be themselves so they'd buy up like cheap bars like this and this is a place that like I mean, they would skimp on every possible cost. There were mm-hmm. no fire exits, no running water behind the bar. They have, like, bad pipes and overflowing toilets. They would water down drinks, like, to just, you know, like, horse piss. Um, <laughs> they would sometimes blackmail wealthier patrons uh, who wanted to keep their sexuality a secret. Yeah, the mafia wasn't exactly, like, uh, saints Friends. for allowing no. queer people to gather no. in their areas. It was, like... How can we exploit this group of people? How can we exploit it? But it's still, yeah, it still did give people a space to be. Right. And and they because the, you know, the NYPD was in their pocket, they would ge- be given tip-offs like, "Hey, they're coming. Hide the booze. You know, put on your whatever three pieces three of items clothing of, yeah. or or get out." Right. Um so and and so because of that, it did become a hub for a lot of runaways and homeless gay youth. Um, I I was reading up on a lot. Some people would call them people like this, like throwaways, even because a lot of them they weren't they didn't just run away. They didn't have any other place to go half the time, mm-hmm. you know. And this is this is where their people were. It became a place uh, for trans people to come as well and drag queens. When a lot of other bars at the time would not allow them. Would not allow them at all. Right. Uh, and we're going to use terms like drag queens and stuff uh, and, and trans. But, I mean, it's funny. At the time, I think there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't, like, the the same words we use today. Some right. people that they would refer to as drag queens, I know for, for a fact that's a trans woman. You know, that mm-hmm. like, when you're reading in these articles. Like, um, you know, they or they would use the term cross-dresser or transvestite. Right. Um, because they didn't have the, the same – you know verbiage we use today right and because that's how they were identified at the time we can't necessarily know for sure how they would be identified today um you know some people who they i'm not going to assume that for them exactly some people who they called drag queens might just very well be drag queens but some people who they referred to as drag queens may or may not have been trans people really you know um we just don't know yeah a lot of what we know as, as drag today came from 
you know, trans performers in clubs like the Stonewall Inn. Mm-hmm. And they'd perform there because that was the place that would give them a space to do it. This one night in particular, it uh, the June 28th, it was the early hours of June 28th, uh, 3 a.m., they did not get a tip off this time. Right. And this was 1969, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, Plain clothes police invaded Stonewall. It happened to be the same day as a nearby Manhattan funeral of gay icon Judy Garland. So the gays were already pissed. We were already uh, in bad mood. <laughs> they were already in bad mood. Um, but and so, yeah, then just down the street, they're getting raided. And because this was so constant, for whatever reason that night, people didn't just disperse. They stayed. People from the neighborhood came and hung around rather than disperse. And then it got worse when it turned into a riot that's because the police got violent. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. The people were observing and being peaceful. And then once that happened, within minutes, it became a full-blown riot of involving hundreds of people. Right. And I, I mean, I've been to kind of talk about some of the stuff that's been happening today. I've seen a lot of people saying things like, oh, well, they just shouldn't be writing or... Uh, oh, well, people back then, you know, they were more organized. And like, no, honey, no. these people did not set out to protest. They tonight. didn't get they permits. They went to have a drink. Yes. They didn't do they any of that. They went to have that. a drink and then shit happened and they showed up. It's funny, too, because it kind of started before before the violence and before the riot part of it started. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, it didn't quite go as planned, right? The raid didn't happen how it normally happened because kind mm. of... Standard fare was to kind of line everyone up, check their ID, you know, people, people, uh, officers would go verify the gender of people yeah. um, in bathrooms and stuff. And that was kind of uh, how things, how things started going. They actually didn't get the paddy wagons there in time, um, yeah. which meant that a bunch of people were just hanging outside waiting hanging out. um, and they couldn't yeah. really leave as quickly. But then once, once the, um, the police got violent like there was there was a uh, an instance where a lesbian woman was being cuffed and then pushed into a, a paddy wagon and she was hit on the head and then people just unleashed they started throwing whatever they could find bottles rocks at the police right just, just wailing them there were molotov cocktails thrown um if you look at some of the footage of that night like so it, it's old footage but there are there are cars on fire there are people there are, like people yelling screaming punching Except for the video quality, it doesn't look dissimilar at all to what's been going on this week. Right. And just to go back to what you were mentioning, that that lesbian who um, she she had kind of been involved in a scuffle. She had been cuffed and escaped multiple times yeah. from the cops. And like you said, she got hit in the head finally, which, by the way, some people it's not 100 percent confirmed. But some people believe that woman to be uh, a woman named Stormé de la Varie. Mm hmm. Getting hit in the head but with the baton and getting thrown into the paddy wagon, she said, why don't you guys do something? Mm-hmm. And that's when that was actually kind of the spark. Um, yeah. And I think everyone realized, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should do something. There's um, so many of us here. There's so many of and us then, here. People are getting hurt. Yes. For, you know, for basically no reason for being gay. And then for the next five days, there would it was it was first, you know, a couple of hundreds on the nights, but then sometimes up to thousands coming protesting mm-hmm. and sometimes you know kneeling peacefully but sometimes rioting mm-hmm. My- the, um i mean the the um the stonewall in itself was almost it almost burned up because actually the the mob was attempting to set it on fire the fire department eventually came and the the riot squad and the riot squad and them were able to douse it but again you have like opportunists trying to come in and push their own weird agenda during this moment yeah kind of my favorite part about this like researching a lot of this was like just hearing about the little trolling that the protesters uh-huh. were doing against the cops again nothing that should ever invite in incite violence against them but like a couple of um people formed like a chorus line um yeah. to kind of troll the <laughs> cops which was yeah. so i think was so cool and funny and just very queer um yeah. but i think something that a lot of people don't mention when it comes to Stonewall is how kind of surprised cops were that these people were protesting fighting and fighting back and rioting like 
I think it, it a really caught them off guard because they were so used to being in power and just shoving mm-hmm. those people around. And they're exactly and their own machismo would leave them to believe that oh these queers can't fight. You right. know what I mean? And so when these queers started fighting, they did not like that at all. No, and they had something not. I think they had something to prove. You know what I mean? I can't lose against these faggots. You know it's what I mean? Their toxic masculinity. It's their toxic masculinity. It's their pride. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what led I think that that's what led to part of the escalation. Mm-hmm. Is is that is not only that these people were standing up for themselves, but who these people were right standing up for themselves. Yes. And that the cops said to themselves, I cannot lose to these people because what does that say about my masculinity? Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think we should also obviously talk about some of the people in the front line because there were people yes. who were every single day right up there in the action vault getting, you know, hit and hitting back. Right. Um, we have to obviously talk about Marsha P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, an African-American trans woman, and a, a prominent performer at the uh, the just the, N- the NYC uh, nightclub scene. Um, frequenter of stonewall and became one of the leaders of what they would call the stonewallers um marcia what just from like because i've just i've been reading up a lot and i also watched the um the documentary death and life of marsha p johnson which is fantastic it does focus more on the death and solving of that mm-hmm. um but does get into stonewall and a lot of her, the things that she did which is very interesting and definitely worth the watch i highly recommend it um but she was basically known for just having outlandish hats and like glamorous jewelry very fearless like plumes of feathers like big fur coats disco ball bands um <laughs> she would like wear like a valentine's day box like of candy on her head as a hat you know <laughs> oh, she's just such a vibrant warm person mm-hmm. and you know whenever a- she was asked what does the p stand for she- her response is pay it no mind <laughs> marcia pay it no mind johnson <laughs> Uh, and just it, what what was so just the unifying thing of anybody who was there or talked about her was that she was funny mm-hmm. and so sweet. But that didn't mean that she didn't she was she was she wasn't she was frivolous or anything. She very much cared about this cause and these people and she was there fighting for them. Um, uh, her like and then uh, she also uh, founded the uh, street transvestite. Uh, action revolutionaries uh with uh her friend sylvia riviera who is also a stonewaller um and she's a latin american trans woman uh the two of them are like really i would say the driving forces uh, not just i would say i think a lot of people yeah. Would say. <laughs> yeah um yeah they uh sylvia identified as a drag queen would later consider herself transgender but like super dislike labels mm-hmm. um Unlike Marsha, definitely more of like a just a in your face, scream at you, tell you exactly how it is type of person. Mm -hmm. Like take charge, be in the front lines, do it. Mm -hmm. And both of them in whenever they talk, it's amazing. They would each refer to the other one as kind of like their mother. I think they each separately saw the other person as somebody who really took care of them. I mean, Marsha was somebody who went during the AIDS epidemic would go to people who were who like go to people who had nobody and you know give them everything anything she could Mm. you know and 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 then you know Sylvia really made it her life's work to um to like find you know homes like for you she for for other transgender youth that's what star was for it was they opened a star house um, which it was only open for a couple of years, but it housed transgender youth to keep them off the streets because a lot of times people like that, they couldn't, they were homeless and then they resorted to, sex you know, work. sex working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's still um, a thing today. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both of them became fixtures in the community, um, especially in their commitment to fighting homelessness, like I said. Um, uh, Sylvia was also a co-founder of the Gay Liberation Fund Front. She allegedly threw the second Molotov cocktail in protest. That's uh, a rumor up for debate. <laughs> um, and, and as she said, like they were in the front lines because they had nothing to lose. Right. This was their lives. And you may notice we don't we're not going extreme 
detail into um when the riots like this happened and then this specific thing happened and then this specific thing happened because it was you know this crazy thing that happened and there are some debates over exactly what sparked it and like who did what exactly and who started what exactly it was we're just giving broad strokes it was chaos um and it was a time when not everyone had cell phones so we can't go back and look at that um we can kind of only go um, by a consensus a couple other people to mention there was Mm -hmm. raymond castro who is uh the first person arrested at stonewall he was a baker and cake designer by trade and a puerto rican immigrant uh yeah, he ignited the crowd when he, like, shoved back and knocked over police officers who had just handcuffed him. Uh, and, and oh, and I, one of the things I love, he said, like, you know, he had no idea that he was going to be involved in history making. But he would absolutely do it all over again. He would do everything exactly the same way is what he said. Wow. Because, like, you don't you don't think you're going out that night. To make history. Is going to be a political action. You absolutely don't. But there is, it's wild when you are a minority. Um whether you're queer or or black you mm-hmm. being out and being um making a statement is a is a political statement in a lot mm-hmm. of ways um so yeah you could potentially just by going out f- stumble yourself into making history yeah but I, I guess that goes with anyone but yeah a lot of these people like this propelled their whole lives forward into being about activism it was such a strong moment for them i mean so many movements came out of this but just even in per- people's personal lives uh, another person was uh, jerry hoos um he was another uh he was another man in the front lines um he ended up doing a lot of work with uh like uh lgbt seniors uh and created the uh, services and advocacy for glbt elders sage uh as, as his like lifelong base at the lgbt center on west 13th street um which which fostered intergenerational interaction between stonewall vets and other elders and the young oh that's great yeah yeah isn't that cool that is really cool yeah because there's it- a whole great group of, of the, like stonewall veterans there's like a great website where you can just read up about what it was like there and and just some of the people involved um they have like the music of stonewall like the, like this the stuff that was playing at those times you know mm-hmm. it's great skimming through all that and just and just reading up and and finding out who these people were and what they end up doing um uh sylvia i mean afterwards she she did drop out of um of of uh the kind of liberation work after a while because um you know she fought for the gay rights bill and was ultimately betrayed when it excluded the trans community mm. and it completely ignored all the work that that she done <sighs> work that work that she did and other trans people like her right were frontlining and then completely ignored and then when that when when the gays and lesbians got what they wanted a lot of them they were like okay great i'm cool. good we're done we're done here i'm good yeah Right. And she gave a very famous speech where she, which she was booed at, where she was yelling at them and just screaming like, "How, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? I fought for this. This is my life. I've gave you, I've given you the best years of my life, and the, I, and, you, and and this is it. And you turn your back. You know, on and me. it was very ahead of her time. You know, Ugh. but she was so angry. I mean, she she left the scene for twenty five years and then eventually came back and and, I mean, she was remembered as as a hero. Thank God. Like there mm-hmm. there's footage of her all over the world being cheered on by hundreds of people but at the time you know right afterwards she was saying they didn't want to hear that they they they, they were happy right. that they got their rights and they didn't want to work anymore for somebody else even though that person had worked so hard for them that's infuriating i mean yeah. it's it's so annoying when you are a marginalized person and you cannot see and make the connections of how other marginalized people are like you and you can't empathize you don't have to understand completely i will never understand the black experience but i can absolutely empathize and do my best to learn and educate myself in the same way i'll never fully understand the trans experience but i will fight for them and support them and do everything i can and but you, yeah, you shouldn't be pro human rights only when it's convenient or only when it affects you. Exactly. exactly. It's just like, oh well, mm, I got what I need. I have my space, so you good luck. Like, yeah. No, 
No, we're all we all have it. We all have it, or none of us have it. It's it's that's all it is. Right. We are all free, or like absolutely. What's the point? Right, and the sooner you fight for other people, the sooner we can get to a world where we don't have to worry about yeah marginalized groups protesting. And again, or like what like Haley said, if you're really selfish, guess what? Eventually, they're going to be coming for you. Exactly. Like honestly. I know a lot of selfish people and I like, I'm like, here's why you should do X, Y, Z because you should be an empathetic human being and you should care about other people. But if you're a piece of shit and if that doesn't do it for you, here's why (laughs) if you're a piece of shit, here's why it's also an advantage to you. Like, right. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's just insane. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard when somebody's worldview is, is challenged. It's hard. I mean, I'm, I think we've talked about this a lot, but like, ideally we are growing as people and hopefully you're getting better and changing and learning that your worldview that was taught is not it it was you know it was packaged and made for you specifically by this system that doesn't like these minorities Mm -hmm. and it wants you to not dig in and look for the real answers or or realize what's going on Mm -hmm. um and if you have that feeling that's like well (laughs) if 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 this is the case then (laughs) then I've been living my way, my, my life wrong this whole time. Then d- you, look into that more. You're yeah, so you, close. You're so close. You might actually yeah. be onto something there. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's like people can't realize that making themselves uncomfortable for a little while may save someone else's life. Yeah, you're and uncomfortable. They don't care. That person is in fear. Yeah, you're uncomfortable. This person's going to die tomorrow. Yeah. It's uncomfortable wearing a mask on my face all the time. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. But I'm not going to put m- your life at risk just because I don't like wearing a mask. Like, that's I mean, insane. that's the thing, though, Haley. There are there are literally people who are doing that on the on a basic thing where like where it should be the most obvious. It should be so obvious. Say, hey, easy. it's actually life and death. It's, it's life and death in a way that you you can understand it's right in front of your eyes yes here are all the numbers you wearing this piece of cloth is going to save people and that's not enough for the other people it's insane it's because it's uncomfortable for them (sighs) Uh, in in the year of Marsha p's death um she said how many years does it take for people to see that we're all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race I mean, how many years does it take for people to see that we're all in this rat race together? That's a good question, Marsha, because it's not there yet. Because we're here now. Yeah, we're still not there. So I don't know how many years, but it hasn't happened since her death, which is It makes me so sad um, and so angry that, like, that, like, people can, can, like, happily celebrate you know pride which should which is a is a it's become a parade and that's that's you know it's nice but it's it's completely it's like the chipotle pride parade <laughs> and and yeah. like and we still have people who are we still have trans women murdered in the street and you're gonna all show up to be shirtless and wear a fucking speedo because it you know that's fun but where, where are you showing up for these people you know and right. and we can we we're so excited to watch rupaul's drag race every single week and oh another all-stars or whatever and this show won't allow trans women on their own show trans women who invented what like what is now known as as drag culture you know mm-hmm. and and we we just no, ignore that every single fucking day because it's inconvenient mm-hmm. and, it's and we tell them oh you're not allowed on the show maybe there's another show maybe you can make your own show or something you know mm-hmm. it's yeah it's infuriating um it's infuriating it's infuriating when you see people on the, this weekend posting pictures of themselves going to brunch because yay the abbey's open yay yeah <laughs> yay. cool down down the street there's like protests going on because people, people have been murdered and people are getting people been tear murdered gassed. and the tear gassed and and the killers are are walking. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. It's no it's it's so frustrating. It's infuriating. I like I almost there's a part of me that uh, 
there's a part of me that understands the mental gymnastics people will put themselves through to justify their silence Mm -hmm. because it is very uncomfortable and when you see something unpleasant it it's nice to look away and not see it sure but that also makes you complicit yes and i think right now we cannot be complicit like you and i both agreed that like this would not be a great time to do one of our fun episodes because that would make (laughs) us complicit like right we're trying i don't know if we're doing our i don't know if what we're doing is like perfect but we're trying and we're listening and we hear you guys and we're hoping that maybe by putting again using our platform to Mm -hmm. educate on something we can talk about right that we can also kind of draw a parallel to will maybe yeah help some people or change some minds or at least get people thinking yeah i'm not sure to do what you can do yeah it's important it's obviously we are in we are amidst a pandemic mm-hmm. so you have to know that going out is incredibly important but it is you know it's a pandemic um if that makes you uncomfortable there are so many places you can donate to there are so many places that are opening up uh bales for people um there is the uh the minnesota freedom fund although they have recently asked if people can put their money elsewhere but there's which is uh, incredible it's so cool that they've gotten so many donations that they're like spread the wealth you know the george floyd memorial fund uh black visions collective reclaim the block campaign zero uh unicorn riot are all places you can donate to there's a lot of uh, ways to do that online I don't know where we're going to be on Thursday when this comes out because it feels like everything's moving so goddamn fucking fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be protests, you know, at some point again, if not, if not, if, who, you know, oh, wow, they all ended tomorrow. Great. Whatever, <laughs> sure. No, but they shouldn't. They, we should keep protesting. Yeah. And if you are going to protest, um, you should be prepared. Um, you should be coordinated with your friends. Go with friends mm-hmm. be coordinated with your friends on site and have off-site friends where you're going to meet where up. you are do not split up if god forbid you do know where you're going to meet them mm-hmm. as in oh if i don't hear from so-and-so at this time this is where we're going to be somewhere off-site again. right uh know how you're getting in and out uh have masks for your face because it's covid but also because you don't want people knowing who you are Right. There Uh, are people who would dox you to potentially harm you. Exactly. Uh, Goggles and uh, because of tear gas. Uh, Nondescript black clothing. No logos. No logos. No identifying. Uh, Emergency contacts written on your arms or or somewhere else just on your body. Tie your hair up so you can't get it pulled. Um, You should have you should have uh, food for yourself a washcloth maybe something something you can get wet if there is smoke uh you should get it wet and put it around your face uh or if you need to wipe off tear gas uh water is not makes it uh, worse good by itself makes it worse milk or liquid antacid in water uh do not wear contacts um you're going to want to bring some bandages and first aid um some cash and id um earplugs probably uh protest signs of course uh, if you have a cell phone with uh, face or touch ID, disable that. Right. They can't force you to unlock your phone. Yes. Um, to give the passcode. Uh, yeah. And no jewelry or anything you want stolen should be, I don't want stolen or should ripped be on off. you. Absolutely. Uh, if your friend is getting arrested, don't let them get arrested alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not let your... Uh, friends of color or trans or non-binary friends will get arrested alone yeah yeah it's important to use if you're going to use your privilege use it to block the people who are being attacked you use it to as a buffer there there have been cases have you seen the article where there was a a lot of like white women using their bodies as as human shields yes um yeah it was incredible it's amazing and in addition just want to add one more thing in addition to writing emergency contacts also write the name down of a lawyer on your body somewhere in case you do get arrested and you need uh, legal uh, assistance and there are there are places uh, look up in your city there are lawyers and 
law firms that are offering pro bono work if you are arrested for protesting. So it's free. Write it down. There are also people who are inciting violence. Look out for those people. If you see them, Videotape absolutely them. film them. Yeah. Um, there, I, I've seen people like even there's even people who are who are kind of well-meaning but they're kind of like almost like like protest vacationers you know like Mm. they are coming in and they're acting out this like punk anarchist fantasy and so they're like oh i'm gonna tag shit black lives matter but there's this great video where this this black woman is is talking to these two white kids who are tagging a starbucks going don't do that yeah when you do that the news shows that we did that right and we're we're being peaceful the the one thing that i'm seeing over and over is that because this is happening all over the country Mm -hmm. and in other places in uh, in the world they were always peaceful they were kneeling they weren't doing anything Mm -hmm. they were peacefully protesting and then the police came right and then the white nationalists somebody a white kid in a hawaiian shirt and a bandana came in yes and started shit yes um, it, it's Im- it's important to keep in mind if you're a white person going to a protest, if you can't go without getting angry and either vandalizing something or looting right. something or you're not helping punching someone or pushing a cop or doing anything like that, then honestly don't go. Just yeah. donate 50 bucks to one of the sites that Zach sure. listed. Don't go. If you're a white person and you go to do anything other than act as a shield and by shield i mean don't be pushing cops just stand in between right. um and and, and, hold and, and you're there to support you're yeah. there to support you are a guest right you're not there to say fuck the police i'm gonna yeah. you know cause some shit that's actually unhelpful riots and, and the looting is sort of a a symptom of 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 when when things get heated like this that's that happens but right. i don't think in any way does that water the message and that shouldn't mm-hmm. for anybody you know i think like i think like a lot of people I, i've heard something like oh well you know when they did it at, at this time period you know it was organized or this was better or this wasn't as violent and like it was can i tell you something it was not particularly organized you know like yeah it was you know the the french revolution was a shit show <laughs> yeah they, and they and guess what they were not nice about it no nope. at all just ask marie antoinette <laughs> uh they weren't when, when people like talking about like oh well the the boston tea party like well it was just like a ship they didn't do anything like they used to tar and feather tax collectors that is not a nice thing to do that fucking hurts it, hot it, and sometimes bli- magma on their blisters that blisters the skin and and it's and yes they wouldn't use like what we think like road tar but they use mm-hmm. pine tar and it, at the very least is it's it's not fucking easy to get off and it blisters the skin is it fucking painful and some people yes would die mm-hmm. and and then in, yeah in stonewall it was not this organized thing i think one thing that's that's good about this is that you know and th- those things were localized to that one place, but now we we have we have the coverage, and we people around the world are angry too, and showing that they are they're showing up because they are also angry. Mm-hmm. I, like, and I think it's good. I agree. That they they're showing up. I mean, it's so cool that other countries are 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 kind of doing the same and kind of protesting on our behalf, which is yeah. which is pretty amazing. Um, because Honestly, I don't believe anything, the U.S. We're more would do organized that. than we've ever been. Yeah, you know. Yeah. People are checking with their friends, finding out where to go and when. And the, and then, you know, the police are showing up and they're changing the the curfew times on us and they are trying to trap people. Right. Just and, just and, notice, right, yeah. that when look at all the protests and look at the ones where the police showed up in riot gear and how those yeah. turned out and look mm-hmm. at the ones where the police joined the protests yeah. in solidarity and how those turned out. Can and you spot the difference? Can you spot the difference? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So... Just keep an eye on that. And uh, you don't have to necessarily be pro looting or pro, you know, vandalism or violence. But that is so far something we should not be talking about in this. We're in the talking about people's right lives. Exactly. People's lives over property. And that's the big problem with this country right now. And, yeah, you know, if you honestly, if you solved the problem of 
black people being murdered all the time, you'll be amazed at how uh, all this stuff just disappears. Crazy. You know, solve the problem instead of treating the yeah. symptoms. And don't worry about that shit right now. What's yeah. important is that black lives matter and black people are being murdered. And mm-hmm. 100% of the reason we have gay pride parades today is because of the radical trans people of color at Stonewall yeah. who threw bricks, who right. burned shit, who, you know, they were so brave. You know, yeah. There we talked about the Mattachine groups and the, and the daughters and the DOB. And they did a little. And they did, they, you know, I don't want to downplay what they no, did. No, they absolutely They did, absolutely yeah. helped. But assimilation is safe for the individual. Like assimilation, if you and I assimilated, it means you and I are safe. But, but assimilation is not progress for the group. Mm-hmm. What is progress are these radical statements. And that's what what's creates radical change. Yeah. And a year later, after Stonewall, they had the Christopher Street liberation day which was america's first pride parade and yeah we talked about the mattachine a little bit and how a lot of their leaders which again their logic isn't isn't crazy like let's be super quiet and just try and assimilate and like do all this stuff and eventually we'll get there you know after stonewall a lot of them changed their views uh uh frank kameny um you know realized that uh before Stonewall, we had 50 to 60 gay groups in the country. A year later, there was at least 1,500. And two years wow. later, yeah, that was 2,500. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar to that, um, Randy Wicker uh, was kind of embarrassed. And he said, you know, his attitudes towards the riots initially, which was condemning them, he said that that was one of the greatest mistakes of my life. The image of gay people retaliating against police after so many years of allowing such treatment to go unchallenged stirred an unexpected spirit among many homosexuals um and he among other people considered stonewall uh the stonewall uprising the birth of the gay liberation movement Mm -hmm. um and certainly it was on a massive scale um david carter uh wrote an article called what made stonewall different he explained that even though there were several uprisings before stonewall the reason stonewall was so historical was that thousands of people were involved the riot lasted a long time six days it was the first uh, to get major media coverage, and it sparked the formation of many gay rights groups. So, mm-hmm. just to show mm-hmm. how important movements like this can be. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it was a little tough. It was a tough one um, <sighs> to cover. It's hard to think back on that, but, you know, realizing that that's what led us to where we are today and the privileges that you and I have today mm-hmm. that are black brothers and sisters like have been fighting for honestly for longer than we have Mm -hmm. and um that they still don't quite have that is is upsetting so yeah um i think it's important to to stand beside them and use our you have to yeah and to use our whiteness and our privilege because we do have a lot of privilege Mm -hmm. um to not stay silent i think that's what's been the problem if you say silent, it's been said a million times before, but you are on the side of the oppressor. You're complicit. Whether you want to or not. But saying things like, oh, well, mm, it's uncomfortable. I just would rather not be on a side. You are on the side of the oppressor. Absolutely. You just are. Absolutely. We can't. So I encourage all our listeners to look into Stonewall and kind of get even an even more detailed um, more detailed look at it. Right. Um, yeah. We by no means covered every single nook and cranny of it all but we we hope that this is like a a nice little history lesson absolutely and i just wanted to cite some sources real quick just because uh, oh sure uh you know this is what i used and some of the words i used kind of came from other yeah i can also give mine we can plug it into the description as well totally um but i of course wikipedia i love wikipedia people who say wikipedia (laughs) isn't a good source are dumb because wikipedia cites their sources um i got some info about world war ii from militarytimes.com um, I read a Times article um, about Stonewall. Uh, I read an NBC News article and um, some uh, some articles from History.com. So that's kind of what I used to draw yeah. some of my info. Yeah. I was looking at uh, History of Gay Rights in America by CBS, uh, LGBTQ Activism, the Henry Gerber House on NPS.gov, uh, the Stonewall Riots, also on History.com. Um, I was looking at the Stonewall Veterans Association website. Um, I went on Biography.com, 
uh, for a couple of those people that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read an article called The Stonewall Inn, The People, The Place, and Lasting Significance of Where Pride Began by Meredith Worthen. Uh, and Know Your Pride by Annie Gallagher. And then, of course, I was watching uh, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix. Great. And yeah, yeah, everyone give that a watch as well. Oh, I cannot recommend it enough. I really can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're a listener and um, there was something we you feel like we missed talking about Stonewall, yes. um, let yeah. us know and we will rectify that on social media. Just add a little yeah. like, oh, crap, we forgot to tell you this really important detail. Mm-hmm. Um, please let us know um, if there's something you wanted to add or if there's something you wanted to add about um, protesting or yes. the BLM movement um, yeah. that you'd like us to kind of, you know, put out there. Uh, let yeah. us know. Um, and if you liked this sort of change of pace as well, let us know. And maybe we might do a couple more history lessons because there's a lot of there's a lot of gay parts of history that we don't talk about. Right. And again, because gay history isn't really taught in schools. So there's so much stuff that we don't know about our own history. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important. And uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, I just want to reiterate um if it is not safe for you physically because you are immune deficient or or asthmatic or something and, and are worried about the virus, there are there are ways that you can help and you can join the fight. Absolutely. And also, if you are, you know, a little cash strapped right now, which I imagine a lot of people are because coronavirus yes. has put us all out of jobs. One thing you can do that is free is you think it maybe would let up because <laughs> you think she would take a fucking break. Yeah, she'd be like, oh, wait, hold on. All right. She's like, hold on. We got this side quest going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, if, if both those things are true, there are still ways you can help out. And one of the ways I've realized is, you know, you can't, instead of being non-racist, you should be actively anti-racist. And even if you get feed fatigue and you're like, everyone's posting about this. Do I really need to post about this? Yes, yes, yes. Post about it. Um, I think we should be flooding all our social media with stuff about this. Um, even if you can convince one person, you know, let's say your aunt Martha really respects your opinion and she hasn't seen anyone posting about this, but she sees you posting about it. You know, I think that's really important. Um, so don't let feed fatigue be a reason to not talk about it. Please continue to talk about it. Have uncomfortable conversations with your friends and family members. I have had quite a few uncomfortable yes. ones today, which mm-hmm. have been very uncomfortable, and it sucks. But I've realized and that my comfort doesn't matter more than black lives. So absolutely, I think that everyone should take that into consideration. I agree. Thank you, Haley. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um we can be found on Instagram at Not Together Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Not Together Cast. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're not together with Zach and Haley. Or you can email us uh, NotTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please continue to send us your questions. Uh, we will answer them. We will get to them on our next uh, listener advice question. Um, and and obviously, and this might be a little trite, but we are, you know, we're not together, but we do need to all be together on this one. We really have to. It is imperative. I love that, Zach. We are together as the human race, but Zach and I are yeah. not together dating-wise. We're not dating. <laughs> We're not dating, but we are together we in are together. solidarity. Yeah. With, um, I love you, Haley. This is a great suggestion. and we, we had talked about doing it before, but I'm glad we finally did it. Me too. I love you too, buddy. Yeah. And everyone stay safe out there, and we love Please you too. Please stay safe. All right. Uh, well, signing off, uh, I'm Zach. And I'm Haley. And we We're not, not together. together. Bye, guys. Bye. We're Not Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Zach Ogle and Haley Manrique. And our intro music and theme song is composed by Barry Anderson.